Today we have a very, very, very special guest in the house. Yes, I'm so excited! Oh my god. I can feel your excitement. Yes, I've been looking forward to this interview for the longest time. Yes. Yes, but you know, woman, the doctor why, why, why? Tell, tell our listeners why. Why I've been waiting or why we took so long? <laughs> Both. Why, why because this is only been, our second guest? Because you've been travelling so much. No, that's not why. <laughs> Just everything blame on you, right? No, and why we're so excited. We're so excited, right? Because mm-hmm. we... Actually, Yuan is my friend from university, right? Mm. But we reconnected through the podcast, right? In a way. Mm. I think Yuan is so a amazing. very, very special guest, right? I think the name that you hear most often on our show... is this person. Is this person. It's Yokes, right? Yeah, <laughs> Free Peanut, yeah? And um, I think she first started off as a very avid listener and a huge like supporter of our podcast. Mm. And she's been really very um, forthcoming with dropping us messages and DMs. And yeah. her love has been... It's really know, yeah. about our podcast. So I think on that level, we really, really connected. And then we realized that, oh, no, my God, she has this amazing experience of having traveled to the Himalayas for one and a half years, is it? it? And then she wrote a book. No, she gave birth. 10 months, sorry. Oh, 10 months. About 10 months. months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then she wrote the book, right? She gave birth to a book. Yes. She's like having a child, you know, writing a book. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's so amazing that our listener wasn't just a listener. She's like so amazing. Yeah, right? she's a very amazing yes. artist. Look at her book. Her whole book, right? Mm. She did all the photographs. Mm. She wrote everything. Mm. And she even drew everything that's in the book. Mm. Wow. Why so talented? You know, I've always, I told you I've been wanting to have my own book yeah, for me the too. longest time. Me too. And then... Take forever. And then like someone, <laughs> someone just like, oh, it's done. Yeah, we have to ask her how she just managed to give birth to it so yeah, quickly. Correct. Yeah, how? and just like that, you know, yeah. no procrastination, nothing. She just let it out, right? Yes. So yeah. let's welcome Yo! Yo! Welcome. Hello, Thanks hello. for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, you know, yeah. your time and thank you for showing up. It Are just you? feels really very weird <laughs> to, to see the both of you <laughs> doing this live. Is it, is it very surreal? Like eh? Very surreal. I remember the very first time I heard your podcast. Tell us, tell us more. I was in, I was in Nepal. Okay, okay. And I saw it via your Instagram post. Mm, 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 mm. So I was like, this looks interesting. And I was okay. going to venture into freelance work mm. when I come back to Singapore. Yep. So I decided to take a listen and I just fell in love immediately. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, so because we're so lovable, right? Yes. <laughs> Own self declare. Oh, which episode do you start from? The very first one. Yes. Oh, the very first right one. From the yeah. beginning, she was there. You know, I was the Sansi Xiao Mao, the Tsi Zhong Exactly. Oh my god, it's so fitting that you're on our show today. Correct, because we're almost wrapping up the show. Yes. Yeah, and we were like, we have to squeeze Yokwen in, no die, matter die, what. Die, we have to do this. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you so you started listening to the podcast while mm. you were traveling. Yeah, you so already your first episode you? was uh, in late November, I think. Wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this one big fan, uh, okay. yeah. Yeah. She knows. So, so I was wrapping up my time in Nepal. Mm. Um I had to come back to Singapore for a short while. Then okay. I went back to India. Then mm-hmm. so I was listening to your podcast when I was in India, then subsequently in Central Asia. Okay. So that was when I was telling Dan like um the snow was falling, it was very, very cold. Everyone uh-huh. around me spoke foreign languages that I didn't understand. Mm. But yet, when I so put beautiful. on my earphones, I hear these two very <laughs> chatty, Singaporean. very chirpy, very Singaporean, super local, the accent, <laughs> yeah, who I didn't pause to like them, I just... 
那个圈里面大笑这样子，还、嗯、到大哭哎、欸，<笑>大笑是大笑分散。Your first trip, your first trip episode was quite funny, I think. Then what happened to the <笑> the the heavier ones a, a little bit later, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. I that's true. The first few ones were quite funny. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I would just burst out laughing in the oh. in the train. Then everybody、okay. would be looking at me like, "This girl, who's this crazy girl?" Did they feel like home, like hearing English? Yes, very much. You have no idea how、okay. much I miss. Um, hearing Singlish、mm. at that point of my travel,、mm. yeah, yeah. So at that time, you were already how many months into your traveling? Not that long, maybe about five, six months. Five, six months. Ah,、uh, yeah. Okay, so I have a lot. Of questions because I know that okay. So Dan hosted your book launch, right? Yes. yes. Thank you for having me. I、oh, had a we had such a good time. Oh, Dan great time! Was an amazing, amazing, <laughs> yes, amazing、I、host.、Heard. Thank、yeah. you, thank you. Yeah, I had a great time、yeah. connecting with you and your the audience. The rest of the yeah, folks who like, were there, like I was sharing with、uh, Becky. Um, because she wasn't there, and she was, you were sorely missed. Yeah, like, we really wish you were here. Yeah, you, I couldn't. Yes, because you I was would、traveling. have enjoyed it so much. And I said that when I was at the book launch, it felt like there were clones of Yokwen and Becky and、uh-huh. myself. Like everybody is like kindred spirit, and everybody like really wanted to be there in the room.、Wow. So it was a beautiful experience. Like the energy in the room was just so loving,、mm-hmm. so present, so ready to receive. Everybody was like very open hearted. So amazing. Yeah, it was great that room. I felt like it was really too short, man. <laughs> yeah, it was highly charged at、uh, the energy yeah, level. Yeah, yeah.、Wow. And I don't think I ever felt so much love in my life. How long did you、yeah. take to recover or process that? I think it went on for days, right?、Like、yeah, went on for di- days.、Uh, I think for a good one to two weeks, I、wow. was just in a、Buzzing. dream state. Yeah. My yeah, goodness. About what was that all about? How come? There's just so much love and so much、mm. openness、mm. to and yet, share, right? Yeah,、mm. half of them were not friends, right? You're saying close strangers to half,、um, were strangers and acquaintances.、Mm. Yeah. Mm. And a little bit more than half of my friends.、Mm. And this book is the beautiful thing, man. Yeah, I think it's meant to happen. This whole、Mm-mm. experience, and I just think that this book is really, I don't know, you know, like when you pass me this book, the first thing I did was to smell the book, smell, like inhale and take in, right, all that nourishment, and I could feel, like even before I read a single word, I felt like this is going to be a very nourishing book, and. What I did was, I think shortly after I met you, I went、mm. on my thinking retreat in、mm. uh, Bangkok. Yeah. So I packed this book with me, and when I got to my Bangkok apartment, I was like, "Okay, this book is like read me, read me, read me," you know. And then I was like, "No, no, no, no! I need to like really find the right place and the right time." So it was a few days. I remember after I arrived at Bangkok, then when I know that I had like nonstop like forty eight hours. I was like, now I'm ready to crack open the book, and it was really a page turner. I finished it within 24 hours. Wow! I finished it within 24 hours, and I had like see so many notes, right? <laughs> and I've never read a book this way before, like because I think the format of the book is so beautiful, right? It's full of pictures. It's like a journal form. It's personal. It's like a diary,、yeah. and it's just beautifully bound and designed, and the layout, and you know even the text and everything. I just felt like everything was just. Beautiful and perfect the way it is, like the the leading and the kerning and the amount of white space and stuff like that. I really appreciate every single page, and I remember like when I was reading the page, I was really just feeling the book. Like 
I wasn't just feeling the words. I was literally feeling the book. And I feel like this is the book that you can't have it in a Kindle or an e-format. Yeah. It will be so diluted to experience. This yeah. is a book that you need to hold and caress in your hands and smell. Like, I've never, like, I kept smelling this book. I kept like... And you know what? All the pictures that you have in here, right? I will read the company pages. I will stare at the photo and I will immerse into the photo and I will imagine myself in the photo. And this happened with every page. And every photo that you have, right? I spend minutes, like even sometimes five or ten minutes, just looking at it, like looking at every single stone, looking at if I could see a blade of grass, I will look at the blade of grass. Well, this is the kind of reader that every writer wants. Yeah. And she didn't ask me to and she didn't even pay me to do it. I just felt yeah. so captivated and drawn by it. And I just felt like this book is magnetic and it has this energy and it's energetically charged. Oh so God. that's why I think this book is beautiful. It doesn't pretend to be anything. It's just like naturally wanted to be birthed through Yogwen, wow. right? And it came out like that, right? And I'm sure you can share with us the birthing process, right? Mm. Like how natural and organic it is. It's almost like you can try and stop me, mm. but this book is going to be birthed, you know, either wow. anyway. So this was how I felt. And I finished it in like one sitting and mm. it was like so beautiful. Okay, so before we get your own to share, right? Mm. Do you want to share one of your favourite, any favourite passages the whole from book. The book. The Any whole particular book. one that you think um, is amazing? Well, you I, highlighted a few. I'm getting goosebumps again. Right. Um, I think that, uh, let me see, let me see. I wrote down, right? Um, okay, firstly, the word Jule. <laughs> Jule. Do you know what Jule means? No, I don't. Okay, your one is going to tell. What does Jule mean? Tell us, school us. It means hello, goodbye, thank you. Um, I send love to you, gratitude to you, everything, everything. Yeah. Can mean and everything and anything. Um, it's a Spitian dialect, uh, which is spoken in Spiti Valley. Mm. It's a remote area between India and Tibet. I see. Mm. So it's Jule. Yes. Jule. And Jule. the first Jule. Jule. Uh, J-U-L-A-Y. And I almost feel like it has to come with three exclamation marks at the end. Jule! <laughs> like, hooray! Yes, and I love it because it can mean so many different forms of greeting. Yeah. Right? Like, Jule, Jule, how are you? Jule, hello! Jule, please take care. Jule, thank bye you. Bye. Yeah, Jule, Jule, see bye you bye. again. Yes. Wow. I think it's a magical word. So right. that was the first thing that captivated me. Like, uh. you know, like almost it's universal, right? Okay. It doesn't really matter what word it is. Mm. But it's almost like human emotions and human care and human love, you know, mm. exists all in that one word, Julie, wow. that expression. Okay. And, yeah, I love and, it. and there's an interesting thing recently, because I was talking about at the book party about how I'm hoping I can translate this book into Mandarin. Mm. Okay. So I, I've started a little bit of work on it. And when I was thinking about Julie, right, what would be the best mm. Chinese word to embody it? And then I came to this word, Zhule. <gasps> It sounds yes. so similar yes. to Jule and it really encompasses everything wow. that Jule means. Oh my goodness. It's like what you wrote in the front of your book, right? <laughs> may you be well, may you be safe, yeah, may you find like ease and joy. A little bit of mm. a bit similar. I wish mm. you all the happiness. Yes. So very, very curious. I mean, I, I'm very curious about the book also, mm. about the whole journey. I'm also very curious 
about what made you go on that trip. Yes, let's talk the about the trip first. Place. Let's talk about because the trip yeah. happened before the book, right? <laughs> let's talk about the trip first. Why did yeah. you decide to go of all places to a place like that? I'm sure you've mm. heard of horror stories, right? I mean, there are a lot mm. of like fear right, about what's going to happen, like a solo mm. girl traveling. You know, tell us about it. Yeah, and to go on like a one year journey. Yes. Like what prompted it? Yes, what prompted it? Okay, so the one year, um, close to one year, not the entire year was spent in the Himalayas. Mm. About four to five months were in the Himalayas. And after that, I went to Central Asia. I went to North America. Mm. Yeah, so these three main areas. And um, coming back to the question about why I decided to take this trip, I've always loved solo traveling. And I've been to several places mm. um, over the past 10 years that I started solo traveling. And I've never done it more than four weeks. Mm. And I've always been very, very curious what would happen if I push myself further than the four weeks. Because mm. I, whenever I met travelers on the road, some been on the road for a few months, some been on the road for like years, right? It, it seems like it's a very rare experience once you cross a certain threshold, um, how you decide to live your life and all that. So I was wondering what would happen to me, whether I can adapt or not to my environment if I were to really leave home for a very, very long time and not just leave home, but you're living basically not knowing what's going to happen the next day. You don't know where you're going to stay. Mm. Uh, you don't know how you're going to get to a place that you plan to go to. Yep. You don't know who are the people you're going to meet. You don't know what kind of food you will encounter, what kind of adventures, um, what kind of amazing um, places that you will come across. So I decided I want to try that. And just nice, I was coming to the end of my work at my previous organisation and also having worked as a social worker for about nine years prior mm. I was just very, very tired and not just tired, but now I think back, mm. I felt like I absorbed a lot of the trauma and the toxicity that I came across when I was doing work mm. in the area of child abuse and family violence. It's a very, very difficult work um, that needs to be done in any society. Mm. And I felt like having spent time doing that, it also took a toll on mm. my own physical and mental health. And I decided... I need a break. Mm. I need a very long one to kind of find myself back again. Mm. Prior to me leaving, I felt like every day I was just living in anger. Mm. And I was very angry oh. at people around me. I oh. was very angry at myself uh -huh. uh, for being angry at other people. Mm. But then I couldn't help myself to be angry at people. Mm. And any single little thing will trigger me and I will escalate, you know. Right, wow. spiral. Yeah. And I will spiral. So you were angry yeah. about the anger that we're feeling. Yes, mm. yes, yes. And I felt like um, I had to break that loop. Mm. Yeah. And I know from previous experiences, traveling has always given me comfort. Mm. So I said, okay, I want to do traveling. And um, in terms of why I decided to go to the Himalayas, um, many, many, many years ago, I went to Tibet. Mm. And I also went to Mongolia. Mm. And I fell deeply in love with the highlands and also the deserts mm. and the Great Plains. Um, and so I was like, I really want to go back again to check out that region. And my friend once told me, if you love Tibet, then you will love this place called Ladakh. It mm. is in North India. Okay. And it is just as beautiful, if not more beautiful than Tibet. Mm. And so I decided, okay, I will 
spend my time in the mountains. And when at the point when I left, I thought this is just going to be another trip that I did. Mm. But I didn't know how and I didn't know why. It hit me so hard the way that it did. Um, so I had I had a few breakdowns oh. uh, when I was in the mountains. But you already wait, sorry, you already decided that you were gonna travel for a year, is it? No, actually I I thought I would be travelling for two to three years. Ah and then <laughs> and then towards coming a year, I felt a strong sense of coming home. Right. So that's <gasps> something we can talk about. Yes, yes. Later that, that, that is very yeah. interesting. Yes. That, that's also something that hit me very hard uh. because I've never had that feeling before. Of wanting to come In my home. previous solo traveling, I always travel like, oh, I'm so happy. I can continue for very long. I don't want to go home. Yeah. And whenever I came home, I'll be like, when can I leave again? Uh-huh. I want to go for my next travel again. That's why you plan for two to three years. Yes, right? You thought correct. you could just go on Yeah, I thought I'll, I'll just leave everything. I'll just put everything down and I'll just go. Mm. But magically, don't know why, um, I guess that's how life works. Yes. <laughs> it brought me back home again. Mm. Um, wow. So what's the same? Tell us about your breakdown. Yeah. How the breakdowns. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, 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 before I went into the mountains um, in the northern part of India, my first stop was actually in Rajasthan. Mm. And Rajasthan is a hot desert area. Lots of palaces, beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous palaces there. And that was where I had a series of unfortunate events <laughs> happen to me. Mm. Okay. So the first day when I got into uh, Jaipur, the pink city, I was already followed by a man when uh. I visited one of the palace mm. and I didn't even realise I was being followed until my fellow partner who is an Indian lady I met at the hostel she told me that hey, you know we are being followed mm. and we need to leave this place ASAP. Um, so that was the first incident. Then after that when I took a public bus travelling from one town to another I was um, verbally harassed by a man oh on the bus. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he didn't do anything physically oh. to me. I was seated at the front of the bus with the conductor and he came towards in front of me and he was taunting me with very mean words and um, in insults. A mix of English and Hindi. Mm. Yeah. And then I was getting ready, like my whole system already went into fight or flight. Mm. I was getting ready to protect myself and hit him with my back wow. if he came any closer to me. And surprisingly, before I did that, the bus conductor shouted at him and chased him back to the back of the bus. Wow. So I had very mixed feelings about that incident because there was somebody who wanted to hurt me maybe and there was somebody who wanted to protect me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so that was the bus incident. Then after that, I arrived at another town and I got scammed. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that happened in one day? <laughs> Not in one day, in the two weeks that oh, I was in weeks. the entire state. Okay. Yeah, I was scammed by oh the temple. God. They did a ritual for me and of they forced place. me to donate to the temple. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and then after that, when I went back to um, look up online, it was a very common scam. Oh. Yeah, and then... Um, did you spend all the money on the no, temple? No, I even had to bargain how much <laughs> I want to <laughs> donate to the temple. Yeah. Then after that, um, I went on to another city. I was in Jodhpur. This is a blue city. And I got chased by a pack of wild dogs. O-M-F-G. There were like eight of them. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Then and, how do you get out of it? And people were watching me being chased by the dog. Uh-huh. And they and didn't do anything. Nobody helped you. Yeah, I guess it was it's so common that, you know... Were you holding food or anything? No, but I suspect one of the dogs just gave birth. 
and I think I may have walked too close to the puppy. Oh. So the mother uh, probably thought that I was a threat and wanted uh-huh. to protect. And you know how they say um, mother dogs <laughs> very scary when they just give birth and mm. they are protecting the puppies. Uh-huh. So I think maybe I walked too close to the puppy. How do you get out of it? I ran. Uh. <laughs> and, are you a very fast runner? <laughs> you ran until they stopped. Chasing I, after you. Yeah, I really ran until they, they were a distance. Your one ran for her life. Wow. <laughs> so my body was in full fight or flight and wow. I was in full flight. All right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was the last straw for me. Up to that point, I was already thinking, wow, that's a lot of things that happened to me that never happened to me before in my previous travels. Mm. So at that point, did you regret? Like, why did I come on this trip? Yeah. So, yeah. Right. so and on top of that, India is in her own league. Mm. It's overwhelming sights, sound and people all together. And it's really depending on your own I don't know, travel style, history, tolerance to see whether you will love or hate the country. Mm, And I I, I love the country. I really love India. I think it's beautiful and amazing. Mm. And also it gave me this experience which led me to really appreciate what I experienced in the mountains after that. Ah. It was because of this context that I went into the mountains with so much unraveling Uh and the mountains... Saved you. Healed me, <laughs> essentially. Wow. So that night, when I got back to my guest house from the wild dogs chase, I started questioning myself, like, can I really do this? Why do mm. I want to come to India? And I got into kind of an anxiety episode mm. uh, because I was alone. Mm. And the thoughts just spiraled all different directions. And it was very out of control. Mm. Yeah. And um, very coincidentally, at that moment, two of my closest friends... Uh, Esther and Wati very separately texted me and just checked in with me like, oh, how's it going? How's your trip so far? And I knew that I have to tell somebody. Mm. If not, I I don't know what will happen to me. Mm. So I told them everything that happened. And true enough, they comforted me and they calmed me down. Mm. And they helped me reflect what was driving this anxiety and what was driving so this So what was panic. driving it? And then I realized that Prior to me leaving for India, there were many friends who questioned my decision to come to visit the country. And their first response was, don't you read the news? Mm. Don't you know that it's so dangerous? Are you trying to get yourself raped Mm. or assaulted? Mm. Um, And I was carrying all this anxiety for them. Mm. So they were worried for me and they were coming with very good intentions. Uh, but I realized that I was carrying their worries and their anxiety for them. And I really shouldn't do that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. They can worry for me and that's good. And then I will deal with my own stuff. Right. So that night, I decided to let go. I was like, no, I'm not mm. going to carry all these additional fears and worries for other people. I'm going to learn to trust myself to be able to do this because I have done this before. I mean, solo traveling, doing things by yourself. So when you let go of their insecurities and their fear that they projected on you, what was left? When you let go of that, what was you? What were you feeling? There was still fear, Mm. but there was also a kind of like inner strength Mm. knowing that, hey, I can do this. Mm. So far, everything that has happened I've managed to overcome it. Mm. You know, the person following me, I managed to shake him away. Yes, I got scammed. I I learned from that mistake. Um, I wasn't harmed physically 
or very strongly emotionally. Mm. Uh, the dog incident, I did get quite scared. Mm. I, I think what I was scared was whether I got rabies. Mm. So the spiral thoughts were, did I get rabies? But did they manage to, you mean they managed to bite you? So they did But oh. you see, my irrational oh, thoughts were... Super irrational. Huh? Super irrational. I was like, did they really not bite me? Mm. Did they bite me? Did they, not? they came so close, but am I sure that they didn't bite me? Then mm. the rational Yodworm was like, Hey, if you were really bitten, you you can see the wound. Yeah, you will feel the pain. This is and the power right? of the mind. Exactly, right? yes. Yes. it runs a mock. Yeah. Yes. Of course, yeah. it's made worse by you being in a foreign country, Correct. all alone. Correct. No, yeah. you don't know any soul. Yeah. And yeah. I guess also the build up from the previous incidents. Right. Yeah. yeah. I like that when you strip away other people's expectations and projections of fear on you, that there was still fear, mm. but it was counteract by this. Strength. Know, yeah. This, inner this strength. inner strength that you know that you you have your own back and you're okay, you know? And you always rise to the occasion. Yes. Yeah, I love that. I love it too. It <laughs> means that you I mean like once you discover your inner strength, you realize you can do you can go anywhere. Yeah. Yes. Because do it's anything. not about extracting the fear and becoming fearless. It's about doing it even when you're frightful. Yes. That's yes. why you're that's very you brave. <laughs> yes. You're very, very brave. But that's courage, right? You yes. are fearful, that but you still courage. find the strength to to do it. Yes. Exactly. You trust and believe that you can do it. Yes. yes. Oh my god. Yeah. It's not about doing things that you're not scared of. Yes. Yeah. Because what is courage? Courage is taking the action in spite of the fear. Yep. Yes. So the fear has to exist. Yep. Because otherwise, what's the point of courage? Yep. You don't even need the courage, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm. Love it, love it. Yeah, so prior to that night of uh, <laughs> reckoning, <laughs> I was actually walking down the streets very hyper-vigilant. Mm. I was like looking well, around. You started to get paranoid. Yes, correct. Like, is somebody going to hurt me? And things like that. Um, but then after that night of like deep reflection and I let things go, the next day, I, I, I felt like I begin to, to view everything in, in another light, you know. Yes. I begin to pick up things that, uh, um, that I enjoy looking at, you know. I started taking out my camera again. Mm. So, taking out my camera is always the sign to me mm. that I'm very comfortable and mm. I want to explore mm. and I'm ready to interact with my environment with my camera. Mm. Um, up to that point, I don't think I took much photos even because I was just so occupied with the self-preservation, Preservation. Mm. you know, mm. just mm. protecting mm. myself. Yeah, and I think um, around that time, I also happened to meet two friends. One is Singaporean, one is Indonesian, but I know them when I was in Singapore and they were also visiting the city. Oh, okay. So it was so good to meet somebody from home, yeah. mm. you know, and one of them is a girl and she was traveling India for two months prior, even before I arrived. And then we were sharing a lot of stories about uh, what we encounter, um, our incidences with men. And she taught me how to protect myself. Wow. She's a very feisty girl. Teach us. What are the few tips that yeah. you have for people oh. traveling solo? Yeah. Okay, so what I found helpful in particular when I was in India is you just got to confront men outright. Mm. So I went to take a public bus again after uh -huh. that. And again, there was a man who was sticking very, very close to me while we were standing. I mean, granted, I know the bus is very squeezy, but the way he was stuck to me was like, I felt very uncomfortable. Mm. So this time, right, I just turned straight to him and I, I looked straight into his eyes mm. and I shouted, what do you want from me? Wow. Mm. Yeah. And then he just 
he just cowered back in shock. Like he didn't expect anybody to do that. Mm. And then he just turned away and just looked the other way for right. the rest of the trip. Right. Yeah. And just that one incident gave me a lot of confidence mm. that, hey, I can protect myself. I know right. how to do this. Right. Yeah. And then uh, some other friends later on also tell me, apparently if you take a slipper and threaten to throw at the man, they will run away. What? Because that's very bad luck. <laughs> oh, psychologically it's bad luck. So they'll to, run away. To the man, yeah. In I India. see. Okay, so you need to establish your boundaries, right? Yes. Mm. Yes. And I think generally, um, solo traveling, you just got to be very aware mm. of where you are mm. and where you're going. Lah. I always believe um, blend in with the the local environment. So mm. don't wear things that make you stick out. Yeah. And also don't, don't look, look like, a tourist. like Yeah, don't look like a tourist and mm. don't look like you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Look like you have a sense of purpose of mm. you know where you're going and what you're doing. But but all yeah. these things gotta really learn along the way. Yes, like it's because did, different right? different environment, different cultures mm. and different traditions, right? Mm. Well, would you recommend other girls to do this alone? Of course. Yes. Yeah, Rebecca, you want to go, right? You I've always saying? wanted to go to India. And you then go. I it's get amazing. the same comments mm. from the people around me. Like, don't go alone. La. Or if you want to go, go with a guy. Mm. Go with a strong guy or something. Oh, like you that. know what? Even guy friends, they told me they also cannot handle it. Ah, really? Yeah, they were also very overwhelmed by right. everything that's happening. Um, they can't deal with it. So not just because you're a guy doesn't, doesn't mean, mean anything, anything right? at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still have to be aware. Correct. You still have to take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh my God. Okay, so you said that then this helped you when you went to the Himalayas, right? Because you had this this whole episode and then you went to the Himalayas and then it, it, your healing began. Yeah, it unraveled a lot of things that on was that hidden. level. So those things were all hidden inside. So that, that level was about how I was carrying people's anxiety for them, right? Mm. And then I went into the mountains with a lot of openness already. Like, I don't know, maybe I had this sense like I'm ready to be very vulnerable mm. since already done this first layer of stripping, right? Mm. So then when I was in the mountains, there were a few other instances that made me very, very anxious. I did find my thoughts spiraling away. And then I had a few more moments where I really stripped myself down to the core and I kept asking myself, why am I so anxious? Why am I so affected by what people say? Um, why do I keep thinking about what people will think about my trip? Mm. Whether I make it or not mm. or, or get judged or whatever. Why? Okay, so then I realized and I started to look at key relationships that I had when I was growing up. Mm. Yeah. And this was something that I wanted to share at the book party, but, but I couldn't. I couldn't mm. because I was so emotional. Right. But I had to relook at the relationship I had with my father. Mm. And growing up, he he had always sent me this message that I would never be good enough mm. and I could never measure up to his standards and his expectations. And I think I lived with that narrative through my adulthood mm. after he very suddenly passed away when I was 21. I never get to resolve that with him. And so I just kept carrying that narrative that I would never be good enough. And that was driving a lot of the anxiety that I had when I felt like I didn't do certain things right. Mm. Or I felt like, oh yeah, I should have listened to all these people because, see, I really cannot do it. I really cannot travel alone. Mm. I cannot make it on my own. And 
and yeah, so so when I I stripped down to that very bare, right? I just I don't know. I took a lot of time just walking in the mountains and just looking at the mountains. I didn't do much, but just mm. look at them. So nice. That's all I did. Yeah. And and when I at some point there was a voice. Mm. I don't know. It came from where. <laughs> But yeah, it surfaced from within. Uh-huh. And it said that you are enough mm. and you have love inside you mm. and you can share this love with other people. Was this near to the point where you decided, okay, I want to come back and no, start no, to not, do all these things? Not yet. Nowhere near. It was ah, just the beginning only. So the seed, it was this small seed, right? That, yes. Okay. Yes. It got planted that, that, in you. That persisted. And of course there were so many amazing people that I met in the villages that I think they showed me what unconditional love looked like mm. and unconditional love that they gave to their family because I did a lot of homestays. Unconditional love that gave to their community. Wow. Uh, because out there in the mountains, um, it's a very, very harsh place where half the year they live in winter and it's very barren. Mm. Um, there's not much vegetation going on. Um, so you really have to depend on each other for support to grow your crops, to rear the animals and stuff like that. You can't, you can't like survive that. alone. Uh, yeah, you there. definitely can't. And I also saw how they showed unconditional love to strangers mm. like me. Right. Um, I hitchhiked a section in Ladakh. I hitchhiked a section from Leh all the way to Turtuk. And on that hitchhiking journey... Everybody was so kind to me and they offered me places to stay. Mm. They offered me a ride to the next town. Right. Um, they gave me food. If it's they saw you being chased by dogs, they would have saved you, right? You know what? <laughs> the dogs in the Himalayas are entirely different from the, the ones dogs. in the city. Yes. Wow. So dogs, I realize in India, I don't know in other countries, uh-huh. um, they reflect the state of the people. Wow. The That's dogs in the city were uh. very traumatised and they were abused. And Mm-mm-mm. it shows, I mean, that's the state of a lot of the issues that the people living in the cities are also facing. A lot of trauma, a lot of pain. And then the mountain dogs, they would come to my camp and just camp outside my tent the entire night just to make sure so that I'm all okay. Really? Yeah, and these dogs just came out of nowhere, you know, decided mm. to follow us. Mm. And they are like the sweetest and most gentle. They won't chase you. Mm. Or if they chase you, it's to, for fun. Yes, to, play. to, to run into your arms. Yeah. So we're talking about unconditional love, right? So one of my favourite stories that actually happens at the end of the book mm-hmm. and actually the story of the princess with three backpacks. Oh, yes. That, this, is a, this is a chapter of our unconditional love. Would you like to tell us what happened? I thought it was beautiful when I realised who the princess was. <laughs> I was like, what is this? You know, where is this story going? I think you have to share with us what happened there. Okay. So, after Ladakh, I went to Kashmir. Mm. And again, before I went into Kashmir, there were a lot of people advising me not to Mm. Because Kashmir is, um, it is a very tense area mm. um, caught in between Pakistan and India and the, the conflicts that were happening in between. And actually, as I understand now, uh, tourists are not allowed in. Anymore? Yeah. At the moment? Okay. At the moment, mm. yeah. So it's, it's very, very sad because the Kashmiris are just the best, best people. Anyway, when I got into Srinagar, which is like the main city in Kashmir, 
um, it was night time and oh, one of my rules for myself is uh. I will never travel out at night alone. Yeah. I will always make sure that I'm in my guest house or mm. in my accommodation before sunset. Mm. Yeah. So the fact that I arrived at the city and the town at night, I was a bit worried mm. and I took um, something like a tuk-tuk. Uh-huh. Uh, they call it auto la in okay. India. And the guy charged me a price that I felt was a bit high, but I didn't really want to bargain or argue with him because it was quite late already. Mm. So I just said yes, but in, in me, I was like, ah, did I just get ripped off again? Mm. <laughs> you know, then I, like, I, want to, I was like blaming myself yeah, yeah, yeah. half the time again. Uh-huh. So then um, we drove, 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 and then we reached a small alleyway. Mm. And then he's like, oh, this is your destination. You mm. told me the address is here. Mm. Then it I look up. Man. It was nothing. <laughs> there was nothing. It was just an alleyway. Okay. Oh. And so I was scary. like, uh, no, this is not the place. <laughs> and I lost <laughs> my I lost my um internet. Oh I, I had no my. internet reception there because <laughs> it's quite sensitive up there. So mm. my SIM card didn't work. Mm. Uh-huh. Um so then he was like, then how? <laughs> I look at him, he looked at me. <laughs> then I also, then how? Where's my hostel? <laughs> oh no. So and then in the out, middle of the uh, night. On, out of uh, our peripheral vision, we saw a mama shop. Uh, mm. And there were just a few guys loitering around and chatting. And I was like, oh my, oh my goodness, God. what am I going to do now? Oh and so I then the driver, feel a bit anxious listening the driver this. got out of his auto and he went to them. And mm. he started showing them uh, the, the Google Maps and ask, I don't know what they were saying, but I'm sure he was asking them about this hostel. And so they were like, huh, what is this place? Never even hear of it, you know? And all these are my translation to you. They are actually speaking in another language. Mm. Mm. So I was just looking at these men, like talking to themselves, not knowing what's happening. And then they came to me, they spoke in very broken English and I told them, I'm trying to get to my hostel. Can you tell me where is my hostel? And they kept saying, no, 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 don't know, don't know. Then as we were chatting, whenever a new guy walked past, they would grab that guy and ask him, hey, do you know where is this? And then new guy comes, they will grab him. And soon enough, right, it became a whole big circle of eight to ten men. Wow. Awesome, uh-huh. man. All discussing, where is this hostel? Mm. And then out of the eight to ten of them, they selected one of them to come and talk to me because uh-huh. he knew how to speak English. Uh-huh. So he was a gentleman, you know. He was very learned. He was wearing glasses. He had mm. books in his arms. <laughs> He walks so, around every day with the books uh, to know. show that he's very <laughs> well read. Uh-huh. So he came to me and he, we, we started conversing in English and he was asking me and I said, okay, okay, this is the name of the hostel. Maybe we look it up on Google. So everybody was Googling on their phone because they had internet. I, mm. I didn't have. And um, people were calling. They were calling their friends and families like, hey, where is this place? Do you know? And things like that. So cute. And Half the village. Yes. About 15 minutes later, right, they gave me a spot and they told the driver who was still there at that moment. <laughs> you know, they said, okay, this should be the place. But if it's not, there's this other guest house that you can stay because it's very late now. Mm. Um, you just go to this place for tonight. Then tomorrow you can look for your hostel again. And so I, I said, okay, thank you so much. And so then we left. Were you, were you scared um, at any point? Like, I was quite amused, skeptical, actually. Like, are they really trying to help me? Or I, was, I was quite amused. Okay, okay. Um, a little bit skeptical, yes, but not scared. Mm-hmm. I wasn't scared at all. Okay. And then halfway when we drove again, 
the auto driver stopped again. And this time he called out to a guy in a house very happily. <laughs> and then before I knew it, he ran out of the auto and started <laughs> laughing and chatting with that guy. <laughs> and then Hopefully about five, you. yeah, I, and I just, I just sat in the auto like, what's going on? And then five minutes later, he came back and I was like, um, who's that? <laughs> then he said, oh, that's my old neighbor from my village. So oh. And he knew exactly where is the hostel. So oh. he just gave me the uh, directions. Oh. Yeah. So then uh, he drove. Then, yeah. Then we finally reached the place. My driver got out of his auto and he walked me into the compound. Oh. And he said, okay, now you are safe here. Wow. And at, at that moment, I felt so bad for questioning yeah. like whether he ripped me off. Right. You know? Mm -mm -mm. And so he left. Then, it was just me and my backpacks and I stared at this giant mansion-looking building and it was completely empty. Huh? So huh? I, I walked to the front door. I was like, I was like, hello. Oh there was no sound, nothing. And I was like, is this hostel actually real? Does it, like, is there anyone living? Everything looks very, very new. Then I said hello for a few minutes and suddenly a small little guy like came uh, scurrying out from the back. And he's like, uh, can I help you? And I said, oh, I booked a night at this hostel. Are you all open? Mm. And then suddenly he opened his eyes like damn big. He was like, oh, it's you. Then I said, uh, yes. <laughs> I was like, uh, it's a manager here. Then he said, do you know what? Uh, somebody called us uh, about 15 minutes ago saying that you are lost oh. and you cannot find a place. Oh. So everybody in the hostel went running out and that's why into it was the empty. neighborhood. Yes. Oh my God. See? Unconditional love, man. Yeah. Oh my God. They all ran running out of the wow. hostel looking for me in the neighborhood. That's a beautiful, beautiful story. And and wow. then uh, he called the manager. Oh. I spoke with the manager and they came running back. <laughs> I love this story, So man. sweet, leh. you don't even know these people yet. Leh. And they yes. newly, they just opened. Uh. It's a new hostel. And when they ran back, they like asked me, are you hungry? Mm. Are you thirsty? They cook up a feast for really? me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so, yeah, that night I, I really felt like a, a princess. princess with the three backpacks. <laughs> so the princess just so, your word. So beautiful. <laughs> this story is so beautiful. I love that Isn't story. It's so amazing. Like yeah. yeah. You know, um, I, I want to talk about um, the heavy duty stuff. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm, I want to go back to your dad. You know, that oh. thing about not, you know, being able to uh, resolve that bit where he says that you are not good enough, right? And I'm just wondering if you managed to resolve that bit while you were in the Himalayas. And before you answer that question, I want to bring out this little passage that I really liked. And I'm just wondering if it supported the healing work and the resolution work that you made when you were in Himalayas. And it's the seen and the seer. Many asked me what I did when I was in the mountains. Nothing. I sat by the river all day and gazed at time in her face with my eyes and my lens. 28 mm and 42 nm, respectively. Look at these two pictures. What else do you think I could be doing? It was fun at the beginning, relaxing for a bit, boring at the middle, frustrating over time, and finally, quiet. It takes time to see your sediments settle. So long, it feels like eternity, but really, a speck of nothing in the grand scheme of the universe. Nothing. Now so do you nice. understand why I love your podcast so much? <laughs> why? <laughs> I didn't get to talk about this during the book launch. Um, I didn't. I really wanted to duck into this passage. And I'm just wondering if 
and you know, we're talking about how the environment supports our work, especially the mm. inner travel that we have, right? Mm. And I'm just talking about the question about resolving that unresolved bit with your debt and the power of the environment, you know, and this chapter that you wrote, if there is a connection and if it is actually the foundation in all the healing work, you know, that you did. I think to answer your first question about whether I think I fully resolved, mm. to be honest, I'm not sure because okay. I'm not sure if there will come a time where I meet with certain things in my life that this unresolved narrative that I carry comes back to me again. But I do feel like right now I feel a lot lighter and I also feel that sense of love that I've never felt for a very long time. Um, and I think that love I was denying myself because of this narrative that I was carrying that was given to me by my father. So I think when I was in the mountains, I, I asked myself, when I got to the core and I realised, oh, it is because I have been carrying this narrative all along. And also, I, I don't know what was his view about this. I could never ask him again. Mm. You know, a lot of it could be also my, I don't know, I conjure mm. your own interpretation, my own right? interpretation, mm. you know, and the way I make meaning out mm. of events that happen between us. Mm. Um, so, what was I saying? Oh, so when, when I got to the very core, I asked myself, do I want to continue carrying this narrative and very conveniently blame it on him? Mm. And he can never retort because he's not, mm. he's not around yes. anymore, you know? Mm. Um, very fang pian, can just put it on him. Mm. Or do I want to let go of this narrative and create a new one for myself? And I think, <laughs> and I think being in the mountains really gave me that space to ask myself, okay, then what is the narrative I want to create for myself? And through the people I met, through just the actual physical space that I was in, mm. the vastness of it all, that's where I found the narrative of love. Um, yeah. So that was the mirror that was Himalayas, the, the key chapter in this yes. book. Mm. When I realized that the mountains were actually a mirror of who I am oh. in my core. And I think it was very difficult. Okay, so it was very difficult to write this chapter. And this was the first chapter I wrote mm. actually um, in the book. And I think first it is to realize that it is a mirror. And second, I had to force myself to look into the mirror. And the last bit was creating a new narrative and what that looked like. Wow. Yeah. So I guess back to my original question about, oh, what will happen when you travel longer than a certain period of time, right? Mm. It is where all these sediments will begin to settle. Mm. Yeah. Because at the earliest stage of travel, you're still very enamored by the glittering, mm. you know, shiny things that happen at travel, you know, very exciting to try new things, yeah. meet new people, try new food, whatever, move around. But after some time, when you actually settle into the regular pace of moving around, it can get very frustrating, mm. especially when you don't know where you're going to stay for the night, you don't know where you're going to go, how you're going to get there. Then after that, after this phase also passed, then you realise that there's really nothing, nothing yes. to do. Nothing to do. And all you're left with is to face yourself. So then all this <sighs> deep stuff would mm. come up. Right. And I believe many of us, I'm not sure, maybe the two of you can also share, like, have you ever spent so much time with yourself that you started having, I don't know, conversations that you never imagined mm -hmm. would happen with yourself. Mm. 
I wanted to say that I wish that everyone would have this chance to look into the mirror, mm. um, to have this space also and the time to look into the mirror and to look at who they really are. Mm. And often, for you, it was a trip to the mountains. For some people, it's like illness or an accident yes. or you lose mm. someone. And then you reach that point where you feel that, oh my God, you have to get so-called like stripped down, uh, right mm. down to your core. If not, you cannot heal. Mm. Yeah, so I, I feel what you're saying because I experienced that also when mm. I went through the depression I had, which turned out to be a gift because then yes. it allowed me to really see myself. Yes. And I realized all the fake things that I was surrounding myself yes. with, all my false selves in a way. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and the healing just couldn't happen without, you know, getting to be so honest with yes. myself like, about who I really am. Like. Yes. And I wish for everyone to have this experience, mm. you know, and this opportunity. This opportunity. But yet it doesn't have to be a trip to the mountains. It doesn't have to be, absolutely. Yeah, mm. it yeah. doesn't. So what you said about the sediments reminded me of this Tignat Han story, right? Where mm. he was drinking a glass of water. Mm. Uh sorry, orange juice. And then it was very cloudy. And then I think his disciple asked him, like, Oh, it's so cloudy, like, are you okay with it? And then he said, Don't worry, just let it sit. And it will settle. Sit long enough, all the, the seeds and all that will just settle to the bottom. And the water will clear. Yeah. Just like your mind. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're talking about Thich Nhat Hanh. This is another thing I want to talk about. This chapter, The Beauty in a Life Lived Simply. Oh, yeah. And you wrote, you wrote, okay? Yeah. And this is something that you already mentioned. Some days were so simple, it was hard. We are so bad at doing nothing. Okay, so that's a realisation, right? And that's you're saying that when you get to that point where you strip off all the distractions, mm. you know, and all the bells and whistles and the shiny objects mm. and you're left with nothing, then you have nothing but yourself. Mm. And then suddenly you see all the mirroring surfaces and you're just confronted with the bits that you like and the bits that you don't like, you know. And yet, there is nothing to do, nowhere to go, Thich Nhat Hanh says. Mm. So that's why I'm just so, I think I'm just obsessed with the fact that, you know, how powerful this doing nothing is and that space, mm. right? The environment is so powerful mm. in affecting our psyche. Oh, yeah. And affecting how we connect with yep. ourselves. Because in Singapore, <laughs> we have all the bells and whistles. Oh, yes. And we have everything except yeah. the nothing. Smoke and mirror. It is, is the it? smoke and mirror. Yeah, it is the opposite <laughs> of the Himalayas. Yeah, and yeah. that is a different kind of environment we're dealing with. Yeah. So isn't that a, like a weird dichotomy? So I wanted to talk about coming back, right, from that Very extreme, and then Tell coming us. back. <laughs> Tell us about that. I'm like, what? So how do you feel now? Do you feel like you chen xian over there, and then you come back, and then what do you feel like now? <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it's time for you to. Yes, but while you're on the toilet, yes, please. You can um, check us out at lytolabs.com mm-hmm. on Instagram, mm-hmm. lytolabs, mm-hmm. and on <laughs> where else? Huh? Where else? On Spotify, on iTunes to leave yeah, a rating. on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you feel now? Do you feel like you chen xian over there and then you come back and then what do you feel like now? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy for a monk to go to the mountain, yes. meditate, and then yes. wow, you feel so calm and zen and then you come back. But this is the real challenge, right? Mm. Mm. It's been very, very, very hard. Wow. And I think I, I came home in May. Mm. 
now is October. October, October so yeah. About four months? No, six already- months. Six months? Five months. Five months. Five months. Five months. <laughs> oh, man, so bad! Hello! <laughs> Four months, six months, five months. <laughs> you want a man's time zone? Okay, anyway. <laughs> I, I've already noticed myself going into the doing, 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 doing mode. Mm. Yeah. So, what happened to all the doing nothing, right? Yeah, what happened to being with? Mm. What happened, um, man? What happened? It. I just get so caught up with the life and mm. the routines of living in the city. So mm. what do you, is there anything you do to help yourself I get set back aself, to I, I set aside a time every morning, about one and a half hours, mm. and I have a yoga and meditation practice. And that is my time to be with myself. Mm. And that would be the moment where I feel like, not I'm back in the mountains per se, but I could feel the quality of being very present mm. during my practice as I did when I was in the mountains. Right. So that one and a half hours every morning, very, very precious to me. Mm. And I would make sure, I would either wake up earlier or put aside, you know, appointments just to be able to have that time Mm. for myself. Mm. Yeah. Actually, I think that it's a choice, you know, it's it's just harder to do. Because, okay, when you're overseas and then you're in the mountains, it's easy, right? Mm. But when you're here, it's like so many things. But yet, at the same time, I also think it's still a choice. Yes. It's just really like we decide we got to set the boundary. Which yeah. is why you right? have to be intentional. Yes. Yeah, you got to be like, mm, I you want You cannot this just let life happen. Correct. So I think it's a commitment that I make to myself. Yes. And yeah. I think it's also a lot to do with discipline. Yes. Yeah. You establish that routine and mm. you really stick to it. Mm. Yeah. You decide that that is important for you yes. and you block the time for that yeah. sacred time, right? To yeah. do yeah. and connect with yourself. Mm. Yeah. Because otherwise, what's going to happen? Yeah. And even if you want three hours a day, four mm. hours a day to yourself, mm. Mm. that's totally good. Like yeah. you can do it. Yes. Yeah. It's whether you enforce it or not. So I guess this whether is Whether you are ready to let go of the other distractors that yeah. yes. will take up the three and four hours. Yes. Otherwise. That's, the, that's the work that we need to do. Yes. Exactly. So I think listeners, if you're listening right now, my question question to you is do you have an intentional time mm. or a commitment to yourself where you put time just for yourself to connect with yourself and you know like process stuff or you know like spend mm. time reflecting mm. or do you want to wait until something happens and i right? think i think the to answer is the answer is that a lot of us don't mm. yeah. we don't mindfully think that we have to carve time out for this it, it seems weird Nobody told us that we have to do this, but we have to because that's taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Otherwise, life happens and we're always at the doing, 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 which mm. is what Singaporeans are so good at, just the doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then because of that, we have a disconnection between what we want our life to be and what the life really is. Mm. We never spend time to really unpack that. Yeah. So we're just doing, doing, doing. And before you know it, 60 years has mm. flown past. Yeah, yeah. yeah or worse. Or, or it's, that's the reason why so many people sink into depression, yeah. anxiety for their whole life. Eh? It becomes chronic. Mm. right? They just get entangled in it. Mm. And then they don't see that. Actually, you know, there's a way out of it. Yeah. Which I, is facing yourself. I, and, yeah, yeah, and I think that what's so toxic about this, which is just the doing, 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 is you tell yourself that you don't have a choice. Mm. You end up thinking that there is no choice. Yeah. But there is a choice. But you have to be very intentional about it. Mm. Yes. And I guess when you are being with, you really sit with the why. Mm. Mm. Why do you choose to do this? Why do you set your intention as such? And having clarity on the why will help you persist through the difficult times and mm. the tough times. Yeah, so when you know your why, you'll be able to last through the challenge when things get very, very difficult. The why is almost like the fuel, 
right? The source of energy that will propel you towards everything else, you know? But the why, uh, the why can only become clear if you have enough silence. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Right. Right. It's yes. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember your, you guys did an episode about self-care. Yes. And you also spoke about how self-care is way beyond just doing nice things, going for Pedicure, massage. Manicure. Yes. Yeah, not, yeah, I think a lot of it is questioning, self-questioning, self-inquiring and just keep asking yourself why. Mm. And in that process, connect with yourself in that sense. Because I think what we're very good at doing is the physical self-care, which is the pampering and the grooming Mm. and the manicure and the pedicure and the massages. But the other kind of more high-level self-care is the spiritual, emotional kind of self-care. And that is the kind that you can't pay someone to do for you. You have to carve up the time intentionally. And unfortunately or fortunately, you have to confront the things that are not so nice. That's how you process that, Mm. you know, and get clarity. Yeah, Things that are not so nice about yourself. That's why a lot of people Uh, uh, don't want to look under the hood. Yes. But when you go on a trip like the Himalayas, Mm. after all the bells and whistles, are stripped yeah. off mm. you have nothing when you're surrounded by mirrors to look inward and you mm. go like holy, holy crap <laughs> when there's nothing to do no place to go and I have to deal with myself now what? <laughs> right? But, but I yeah. still find this to be better than not looking under the hood Yes Because when you don't look under the hood right? I feel that Life feels like very shaky ground. Yes. Mm. You don't have confidence in yourself. Yeah, and you it becomes, no resilience. Yeah, and it only becomes manageable because you're buffering all the time. Mm. You're just seeking false pleasures all the time. Yeah, like distraction, distraction. Distraction. Exactly. And then, you know, all of which shit start to happen. But it's not sustainable. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. not sustainable. Mm. Yeah, it is. Aww. But once you get clear on who you are, you face the truth, you're honest. Right. You are on very solid ground Mm -hmm. and you have self-confidence, you have resilience, you know Mm. you can take care of yourself. Mm. You can be okay. Mm. Yeah. So, okay, because it's already one hour and we can go on for two more hours. We haven't even started. Yeah, we just scratched the surface, man. What the heck? Okay, okay, okay. That's why now you understand why the book launch was not long. What just happened? (laughs) Well, what just happened, right? Okay, my question then is, let's just cut to the chase, right? Okay, this book that you have written, what are the key takeaways that you want people to take away with after they read the book? I mean, I've taken away a lot, but what is in Wow, I, yeah. I, I feel like I've been talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in a nutshell, what is it? Like, summarize for us, like, what is it? I you, guess. Yeah, I you guess. haven't talked about the two things, I think, that propels everything. What, fear and love? Yes! Oh my God! You see? So oh, you guys did an episode on it. Yeah. I remember it was either episode four. Okay, oh, that, this one, yes. uh. That powers everything. So please, in your words, in the author's words, tell us, what is it? I think, I think with every decision that we make, whether it's small or it's big, there will always be the fears. But I think what we want to ask, or rather what I have been asking myself was, do I want to let the fear guide this process of making the decision mm. or exploration? Or do I want to let love guide this process? Fear-driven versus love-driven. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And... And I think the Himalayas gave me an opportunity to really dive deep into understanding what my fears are, uh, looking at my fears, and in a way, befriending them also. Yes. Yeah. And I think it was through this process, I unveiled and saw love. Wow. Is, does it sound weird? No. No? Is this somehow also like a mirroring kind of thing? Fear the opposite of love. Possibly. Or do you think they're the same thing? 
two sides of the same coin? I don't think they're opposites. Mm. I don't think they're complete mm. opposites. And I also think they can be birthed from the same source. Mm. Um, but it's which one we choose to lean into. Yes. And also as I unveil and I saw love, I saw trust as well. So trusting myself and trusting other people that I meet on the path. And in that, right, comes a quality of surrendering. Wow. This one goes towards the woo-woo side already. Oh, wow. I love the woo-woo stuff. <laughs> Bring it on, man. Bring it on. Just surrendering to what life has to offer you and mm. that there is a lesson in everything that life offers you. Even yeah. the bits that you fear. Even the bits that is yucky, that we yes. fear, wow. that we dislike, that we hate. So living with effortlessness. <laughs> la. No struggling. Go with the flow. Go with the flow, yes. Yeah. Mm. I think if we want to welcome more peace and calm into our lives, the first step that we need to do is to understand and discern the difference between the aspects in our life where we can control mm. and aspects that we can't. Mm. Yes. And it's not about eradicating or removing the bits that we don't like. It's never been that. Yeah. Which is what Yohan is saying. We confront ourselves with uh, fear and then we also look at love and then realise that everything is either fear-driven or love-driven and we get to decide. Oh. what we want to be driven by. Mm. It's not about removing the fear. It's about how can we be driven by love in spite of the fear. Mm. And we get to choose and yep. we have 100% control over that. And I think that is so beautiful because we're not a victim anymore. We are doing this from a point of empowerment. Yeah. yeah. So true, huh? Yes. Heaven and hell is really just one line. Yes. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Yeah. I posted something on Instagram recently and I was like, what if you met God and God asked you after you die, right? How was heaven? <laughs> and all along you think that this was hell. Like, you know, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> right? So it's a matter of perspective. And always choose love, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The mountains taught me that. Yeah. I didn't know before that. Mm. I also want to go to the mountains now. <laughs> Haven't yeah. you been to the one in North America? N- not in the way that you have been. Mm. you know I was with friends and it was mm-hmm. a very what do you call that almost like a mm. tourist experience hey yeah. so now I want to talk about the more uh, practical stuff huh? okay practical like, stuff. like for example okay if people want to buy the book right how can they support you how can we support you I, hey, not I, many copies left huh? yeah that's why yeah, I just yeah. realised it's going to be sold out soon <laughs> is that going to be a second print and it's like other languages coming out like the oh. Chinese one ebook ebook no, no ebook. Hey, I think cannot let like, this cannot. book. This is a yeah. insist to be in a. It has physical. to be in a hard, hard cover. And it's the book that insists, right? I mean, okay, you know what, guys? I can't even begin to tell you how beautiful this book is. You know, we have to post photos of Look it. Look at the right? photography. Okay, the paper, the cover, the weight of it, you know, and the design and the threading. You know, it's like open, like flat lay. It's mm. flat lay. Okay, the print is beautiful. It smells amazing. I don't know how to share the smell the with you paper. over a podcast, but. Still so nourishing. Okay. You know, I have a bookshelf in my office, right? And that bookshelf is reserved for only the my favourite books. Oh, like thank the you so much. So like. this book is on the, that bookshelf? This book will have a permanent spot oh, in thank you yeah, so my much. bookshelf. Then, oh my God. Yeah, like I love it. Like really, I have not read a book that is so nourishing wow. in my life. It's funny because I have friends telling me how they they feel a lot of energy just coming out yes. of the book without even having read anything Ex- yet. Exactly. I felt the <laughs> same. And huh? I was like, really? Yes. Yeah. And this yeah. photo, this story. <laughs> yes. I saw on Facebook. Yes. Yo, can you tell us this story before we wrap up? Oh, oh my God. Can, do this we have to wrap up? Uh, Ajaz, right? 
Yes, Ajaz. Ajaz. You see, I got a yellow sticky so note here. So handsome. And I oh. put love. Oh, Ajaz. So it's one of your favourite stories. Okay, well. guys, you don't have the book, right? But this is uh, actually page... What page is that? I don't see a page number. 170. 168 and 179. Yeah. And it is like a centerfold of this beautiful, gorgeous looking guy called Ajaz. Ajaz. Like laying on a slope. So <laughs> smoldering his eyes. Smoldering on his backpack. Okay, you, you yeah. have to tell us the story. Well, well Ajaz, he was my uh, trekking guide mm. when I was in this little village in Kashmir. It's called Aru Valley. Mm. And... I, I guess in Aru Valley, and I'm not sure if in any other villages, there are a lot of mountain gypsies. Okay. So these gypsies, they would move and they would change their living environment every every season. I mean, at the change of the seasons. Mm. And during that time, it was nearing winter. So mm. they were all leaving that valley to go down south mm. to be warmer. And so Ajas, um, he took me on a day trek and we were walking around and he will bring me to different families and chat with them. Mm. And because of him, I get to enter into this very, very simple mud houses. Um, a few pages down, you will see a photo of Rafika. It's like all black. It was very, very, very hard to capture because it was very, very dark. Mm. But um, I was having tea with her, with Ajas and another lady who was staying in that house. Mm. Um is it this one? Yes. Mm. And also the subsequent page. Yeah. Yeah, this, this one. one. The door, right? Yeah. At the entrance. And Ajas, he's just such a gentle, gentle man. <laughs> Yet when he spoke, right, he will look at you with such intensity in his eyes. Piercing. Wow. Yeah, piercing. Yes. You can tell even from this photo, like smoldering, you know, like wow, like the patra like that. Culture, he, yeah. he oozes nothing but kindness. Mm. Wow. So so I spent a day just with him walking. He can speak a little bit of English. Um, we converse a little bit. I ask him what he likes to do in the mountains. He said he loved music. He loves to sing when he's uh, trekking in the mountains. And I could tell by the people he met on the road, like how well loved he is. Because wow. everybody, when they saw him, they broke into a big smile and they would ask him, like, how are you? Stuff like that. Uh, I guess that also shows how close knitted they are in that community. And we just sat down, you know, when I got tired, I said, Ajas, I'm tired. Can we just sit down for lunch? He's like, of course, sure. It's your walk. We can do whatever you want. Mm. <laughs> and then we sat down. We, we just did nothing, basically, again, like just looking at the, the river, just looking at the birds, just looking at the mountains. And then after finishing our lunch, he was like, okay, after lunch, we nap. Then he just started, he lay down like this, yes. in this exact position. Yes. He was getting ready to nap. Yes. And I was like, Ajas, you look so beautiful. I'm just going to take a picture of you first. Don't close your eyes. Yes. And then I quickly um, framed the shot and I took the photograph. And right after I took the photograph, he fell asleep. Yes. Wow. What did he do that made you feel like he owes kindness? He didn't come into my personal space. He was always walking in front on his mm. own by himself. Um, just giving me all the space I need to enjoy my trek. So he wasn't overly friendly? No, wow. no. But whenever I call out to him, right, he will come Always over. available. Yeah, he will come over and ask me whether I need anything, I need any support or whatever I need to do. That's like the yeah. true definition of like a, a relationship. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Between two people. Yeah. That's true, that's true. Mm -hmm. 
Oh my god, there's so much more we, I want to dig into for the book, but we're at one hour and eleven minutes. Disclaimer, I haven't actually read this book because I only met Yokes today mm-hmm. and then I got my copy. Mm. So okay, okay. I will I will tell you how I feel. Of course. After please. I finish reading. Yes. Yeah. But I love the stories already that you told. The princess of the three bags one really got to me. Hey, so where can people get the book now? Can you please yeah, tell where people? Can um, buy on my it? website. Okay, um, which it's is? also available. My website is www.somayok.com Spell it, spell it, spell it. S-O-M-A-Y-O-K-E.com Somayok. Yes. yes. And um, it's also available in Home Yoga. Mm-hmm. H-O-M Yoga. Yes, H-O-M Yoga. Uh, it's stocked at books actually, but okay. it might have been sold out. Right. Um, so I'll update when it's restocked. And then so if they want to connect with you, you uh, yeah, on Instagram, what's your handle? Oh, uh, free underscore peanut. Yeah, oh, it's got not free peanuts, huh? Yeah, it's not free peanuts. It's, it's freeing the peanut. Yes, the, the peanut is free from the shell it came from. Free the peanut. Oh, it's not like you have not free peanuts. It's not free. It's free. It's free. It's peanut. So no more see, shell. Free oh. the peanut. <laughs> Um, okay, I I just want to tell you that, um, you know, I'm always obsessed with, I think I shared with you during the book launch that I'm always obsessed with how a the book ending. ends. Mm. I always think that ending is always so difficult. I always feel like it's so difficult as a writer to begin a book and to end the book, mm. right? Although I think the middle is actually the most difficult, but I, I'm just obsessed with the ending. And your ending is just beautiful. You know, I was in, in a way quite impatient, you know, when I was reading the book, right? I was like, oh, how is this going to end? How is this going to end? How is this going to end? You when know? I was writing, I also kept asking myself, how is this going to end? Yes. How is this going to end? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, is there some big explosion that's coming? What is the end note, you know? Is it going to leave a bitter sweet taste in my mouth? Mm. Is it going to spur me on with more questions? You know, I'm always obsessed with that. And I think the way you wrapped up is so beautiful. But I'm not going to spoiler. Yeah, don't spoil. No huh? spoiler. No and spoiler. Say, huh? I don't want to say. I think people should actually experience okay. the book from find out for themselves. Yeah. Because right? I wanted to say, like, how it ends connects right back to how it started with the Yes, book. it's oh. just full circle, right? Yeah. Yeah. But. Can I just share one bit which I think is so powerful mm. which is I think that you gave a macro view and a micro view of life that is right in front of you which is uh, the Himalayas and you use the mountains as an example it's like an analogy and I think analogies are so powerful because it puts everything into perspective and you wrote from afar she appeared as if she remained the same way for thousands of years. When I looked up closely however I realized that she is changing every second. So well written. It's like, what the <laughs> heck? Is so nice. Yeah. And I think we also did one episode about criticisms and other people's opinions. And mm. I'm just so uh, fascinated at how Yokes managed to brief that aspect into this story arc, this whole book. Mm. And a couple of times, actually, she peppered that. And I think a lot of us, like listeners especially, they are grasping with like, you know, I think a lot of grief, it comes from, you know, being, uh, how can we break free, like the free peanut, like how can we free ourselves <laughs> from the shelf, right? Which is other people's criticisms and opinions. Mm. And I think this is something that really weighs down on us, right? Mm. And especially when Yopwen went uh, on this trip and in the beginning, she was carrying other people's burden with her, mm. other people's projection of their fear. And she wrote, towards the end, but not the end, with no qualms, to adapt and paying no attention to criticism or judgment, we are a piece of nature that simply will continue to be, to being, and to become. Oh my God, this is so good! <laughs> Oh 
my goodness. You see, I put a big asterisk here. Oh, thank you. So, so beautiful. Yeah. Sometimes I read this um, paragraphs and I'm like, who wrote this? Who wrote this? Yes. The universe wrote it through you. Yes, it's true. Yes. Um, the mountains wrote this book, not me. Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We didn't even talk about how this book like birthed itself. Oh, yeah. It's like wanting oh, to yeah. be birthed and but, you are like a vessel. But even then, thank you for being a vessel because you could have rejected the yes. invitation yes. so-called. Yes. Like, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, you know, Elizabeth yeah, Gilbert came out with a book called it. Big yeah. Magic, right? And they're saying like how this kind of messages from the universe, it's looking for a vessel to be birthed. And um, sometimes if you don't transform it or alchemize it, it looks for the next person. Yep. So mm. I think for you, you felt that signal very strongly and you just did it despite the fact that you were scared to shit mm. about writing. Yes. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah. The fear that she has, I right? I have a lot of fear towards writing. Yeah. Really? Uh, but yeah. you wouldn't be able to tell. Nobody will be able book. to tell that this yeah. is from someone who is scared <laughs> shitless about writing. Jokes, this is a book that it's, I feel like it's a gift to mankind. It's a <laughs> gift. No, it is a gift. I think that's the word, gift. I really don't think that a gift, the word, is an exaggeration. Yeah. Because everything that we do is a gift. Everything mm. that we create. Mm. Yeah, and, and thank you for creating this gift. Yes. And this is going to inspire a lot of people. Jokes, I want to wrap up the way we wrapped up at the book launch, which is, can you read... Can you read us? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I want to give you this space and time and opportunity to read something that you want to share. Is this the part where you cried? No, I cried right in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Both of us. Yeah, Um, share with us. Share with us. Yeah, initially, I was like, oh, maybe today I will choose something else to read. Mm -hmm. But then I was... I was looking through, I'm like... This is the one. No, I... Yeah. Yeah, This this is still the one, yeah? Come on. Page 138. Okay. So this is the part of the chapter that's um, the mirror that is the Himalayas. So it goes like this. Having spent time in the Himalayas, I learned that there are two basic primal driving forces. Fear, the instinct to avoid, resist and reject. And love, the instinct to approach, give and receive. Mother Nature has her own ways of teaching us lessons to overcome our primal ancient fears love. I felt her love simply by tracing my steps back to her. She taught me love can be as simple as retracing my steps back to myself. We forget, but love is just as primal as fear. Sometimes it is buried deep somewhere else. Sometimes we mask it out of fear. Ironic as it may sound, in the harshest of environments, the Himalayas dug deep and uncovered my innermost fears and insecurities. Yet at the same time, she provided the safest space for me to be vulnerable and master the courage to heal. I learned that when you return to Mother Nature and give yourself time in her cradle, you will find the space to heal. You will find the answers to your doubts and the energy to open your heart and create again, to give yourself a chance to try again at the curveballs that life throws at you. When your heart is truly open, Abundance is all around and within you. It will not hurt to love, to give, to share. This I learned straight from the mountain folk who embodied the spirit of love. They expected nothing in return. That has always been the gift from the Himalayas to the people living in her cradle. Love over thousands of years. Over the four short months that I spent in their company, that was what I received. Love. 
I learned that to thrive at solo traveling, I have to learn to trust. I learned that to live a life filled with bliss, I have to learn to trust. Trust the people I hold close, as well as the total strangers I meet on my path. Most importantly, I have to trust myself. Trust myself that I can keep myself safe, that I can discern between what is good and not good for me, that I can adapt to the environment that I am in. I learned that for every darker side of ourself, manifested by fear, that we will reveal to ourselves and others from time to time, we will always find another side of us that is full of light. Light in the shade of love, compassion and weightlessness. As a social worker, I used to tell everyone I work with that it takes a village to raise a child. As adults, we still need that village of support, having a community, perhaps even several, that we can rely on and be vulnerable with, keeps us going, growing and nourished. I learned that it is okay to reach out and say, I don't know, I need support to the community that we have grown to lean into. I learned what gratitude looks like. Gratitude is accepting the different versions of me that showed up every day. Being gentler, kinder to all of me. The Himalayas may express herself in the form of ferocious winds, slashing rain or blanketing blizzards, but she also brought me peace and contentment. She taught me that peace is always there whenever I return to noticing my breath. Breath is as primal as love and fear. My breath keeps me alive, centered and well. When the winds of anxieties began their momentum, I remained grounded with my breath. Even in the presence of deafening winds, a grounded breath made it seem like a gentle breeze. I learned that what may be easy to practice in the mountains can be dauntingly difficult to bring home. It is easier for isolation and distrust to creep into our lives in the concrete jungle. It is easier to react with anger when we are stabbed with fear and our focus distracted by noise. Sometimes we continue to carry the anger inside us for a long time as if it is a shield that can protect us. Allow your anger to drift away with each exhale. Let the passing wind carry it instead, the mountains whispered. Yet, it takes tremendous courage to respond with kindness. It takes equal measure of equanimity not to be consumed by anger. It was a challenge that the Himalayas threw at me, a parting gift of love. Thank you so much. <laughs> How can this be someone who so can't write? Much. Yeah, like what the heck? No, I, I think I really want to thank the both of you also for doing this podcast. <laughs> oh, this is live feedback. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell it, tell me, tell me, tell me why we want to thank this us. This is love gram in the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I think when I was writing this and as you know, I struggled so much with my writing and wanting to put my writing out to the world, I've always returned to listening your podcast and it has given me a lot of inspiration and especially when you did the episode on fear and love as well, I was at that moment thinking about this part and I was like, wow, there are people who are also thinking about the same things as me and I'm not the only one who thinks that it should be like this. Mm. And so... Yeah, just thank you so much for doing this podcast from the beginning to the end. Thank you so much. 
yeah, you, it's just been a great company that I have when I was traveling and even as I returned home, I, mm. I continue to listen to it because your voice now brings me back to the mountains. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know how we encode into our memories, sounds, yep. smells and visual stuff mm. and your podcast has been encoded into my travels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for telling us this because you you wrote about how like we all need a community, yes. right? To be vulnerable with yes. right. I think when we do this podcast, it's like building that community. We know that not everyone has the chance to have this kind of community in real mm. life. Yep. Um and this virtual community that we're building, hopefully we get to meet everyone in real life soon. Mm. But as virtual as it is, I think it has a certain power, you know, and the love that you felt from the strangers that you met in the mountains, we hope that we can give this love la, to the people who listen to us through we our show. We hope week after week you feel like the princess with three backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is, we are on a similar mission yeah. and journey th- as you. Yeah. I think what mm. you're doing is very, very special because I also wrote in this book about a small part about technology and how technology makes us very distracted. And the communities that we form online are not necessarily genuine. So there may be many different communities online, and yet many of us feel lonely. Mm. And there doesn't seem to be an authentic connection mm. that happened in iCloud. <laughs> you know? um, but I feel that what the two of you have done it's very, very special and very different from these online communities that we come across. It's mm. it's so real, mm. so genuine, and both of you come from that authentic space of mm. being yourself and willing to strip yourself down, mm. asking yourself those questions that are similarly asked in the mountains, and you, you're, you're willing and brave enough to do that with the community, mm. which is us, the listeners. Mm. So, So for that... I, I, I just think, yeah. Thank you so much. Mm, thank, <laughs> thank you. you so much what a coming. lovely love gram. <laughs> <laughs> it's all driven by love. The love gram was driven by love. The book that Yokes wrote uh, was, was driven, driven by, by love. love. Our podcast is obviously driven by love. Nothing mm. else. So we choose to be driven by love, right? Mm. You know, when I was reading your book, right, it almost feels like hey, I didn't have. I don't need to write a book anymore because she Yoke's has already, already written one. Yes, she's written the book for us, right? For me, right? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. You know. <laughs> So with that, we want you to choose the song oh. for this episode. Today we let you have the stage. Yes, wow. because you <laughs> will yeah. play your song only. Yeah, we're gonna be like, yes. <laughs> so Yops, I think you said that you have a song that accompanied you, right? Mm. Yeah. So what yeah. is this? Tell us. Um this song is by Atlas. Uh, sorry, the song is by Sleeping at Last. Uh. And the album is called Atlas. Mm. And the song title. In this album, basically, the names of all the songs are named after the planets. Oh, mm. nice. Yeah, and okay. also the sun and the moon. Mm. And the song title is called Saturn. So what is it? I think you just listen to the song. <laughs> and the very, very first time when I heard this song, I was in a yoga class in Singapore. And it was like towards the end of the practice. And when the melody came out, right, I my tears just couldn't stop flowing. Ah! <laughs> oh, no. Can't wait to hear it. Oh my God. Yeah, and basically the key message, one of the key messages in this song was how precious it is just to be alive. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Yokes, for coming on our show. Yeah!
Thank you so thank much you, for sharing your stories. Thank you for having me. Thank I realize you. we haven't talked about many other things. <laughs> part two. <laughs> we need a part two and a part three. We want to leave, right? We want to leave. We want to leave. We want to leave. We told you already. We told you already. Before you know it, it will be over. Yeah, one hour cannot. This is the longest episode. No. Oh my goodness. And, and we have just scratched the surface, okay? Yeah, we haven't even started. Yeah. yeah. But but this is great because you know what, guys? If you can't wait to find out more mm. about what Yokes represent and mm. what Yokes wants to share, please go and grab yourself Read a copy book. of the book. It is amazing. So all and the cannot, information yes. will be in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and so you cannot what? Sorry, mm. I interrupted you. Um, <laughs> I cannot. I cannot recommend another book that is worthy of your shelf space. Oh wow. my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think this is, this is a book oh that everybody gosh. needs to read. And it is it's accessible. It's not a difficult read. It's beautiful. It's got so much space. It makes you feel so good. And it makes you want to think about you know, your life and be reflective. And you can live vicariously through Yokwen because how mm. many of us can actually take yeah, one man. whole year off you know, and do and travel the Himalayas, right? Yeah. So be very thankful that there is this book that you can actually get. And you know, just experience what Yokes has so briefly and generously uh, encapsulated in the form of a book. And you know, I'm a bookworm and I mm-hmm. think really, really highly, highly, highly recommended. Thank you. <laughs> My yep. wish is that the themes resonate possibilities sure in one. life. Sure one. Pao one. Pao sui pao plus chop plus stamp. Pao sui pao plus Plus you my plus hakao. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed this um, okay. interview, intimate interview with our great listener. I and our say fr- Julie. friend Julie. Yes, Julie. I was going to say we're going to end with Julie, right? So it's J-U-L-A-Y with three exclamation marks. Okay, so let's do it together. Okay. And then we wrap this episode okay. up. Okay, and then we listen to Saturn, right? Yes. Yes. One, two, three. Julie!
How rare. 